Hey there, welcome to the Marketers Take Flight podcast. I am your host, Lindsay Diven, founder of Marketers Take Flight and the creator of the Proposal Pro course. I am obsessed with helping AEC marketers just like you put order back into the proposal process, create winning strategies, and build the confidence and courage to advance your career. Each week, I will be sharing tangible and tactical advice and inspiring interviews to fly through the proposal turbulence and have your career take off. So let's dive right in. Well, hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Marketers Take Flight podcast. Today, we have the second part of our interview with Frank Lippert from Go Strategies. In the first part, last week's episode, we talked about go, no-go considerations and the five questions to ask. And our conversation went so long and it was jam-packed with so much goodness that I wanted to continue the conversation and break it out into a second episode. So today, what we're going to talk about is using your go, no-go form as a hidden pursuit plan and to kind of flip it around and use it to determine your pre-proposal activities and what to do to position your firm to win and how to use that go, no-go form to make that determination. So I hope you like this this conversation with Frank as much as I did. We had a lot of fun doing it. So enjoy. How can these these five questions or these five factors, how can we use those or turn those around to shape our pre-proposal efforts or our pursuit strategy to get out and not wait till we're doing a go no-go form, but actually use these in our, you know, our pre-proposal pursuit efforts? Definitely. So I call this the hidden pursuit plan. Um, I think your go no-go form, if it's one of those really robust go no-go forms that has all kinds of scoring criteria and 20 or 30 questions on it, that go no-go form is your hidden pursuit plan in your company. And so if you can pull that go no-go form out, and for those of you that don't have one, um, we we have one and um, it'll be available uh, after the podcast. Mm -hmm. You can download it and, and use it and modify it for your own. Uh, there's plenty of them on the SMPS learning portal as well. Uh, I think that you can pull that go no go form out at any time. Similarly, you can pull your coffee mug out at any time. <laughs> the more you talk about those questions that are on that go no go form early as possible, and, and what you want to say to your technical staff, if you're a marketing coordinator, marketing manager, and you're really struggling with go no go, pull that form out and say, when we get the RFP, I want this form to be super simple. Right. And, and I don't, I don't want to sit in that conference room and have those knockdown drag out fights. I don't want to sit in the conference room and have, uh, have to bring the principal in. I want to be able to know confidently that this is a go. And, and I would argue if you've looked at your detailed go, no go form and you have done a lot of the work to make the answers to those questions score as high as possible, you almost don't even need a go no go meeting when the RFP comes out. If you've done a healthy pursuit plan and the RFP comes out and there's no surprises in the RFP, uh, sometimes go no go is a high five in the hallway. Hey, the RFP, <laughs> damn, high five, let's make it go. And, and you go. You don't really even need to sit in a, a room and have that, that kind of um, conversation. Now, I said a couple of things there that are really important. If the RFP comes out with no surprises. So right. sometimes you can do 
a lot of pursuit, a lot of homework ahead of the RFP. And then all of a sudden it says project manager must have a degree in Native American studies and, uh, and have worked with six different Indian tribes. Uh, okay, if it's that specific about the needs of the PM, then clearly that company, your competitor, has someone who fits those qualifications and this RFP is rigged. So yeah, that find, should definitely be a red flag. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so if the if the qualifications start to get that specific, where they're asking for very specific things on the project manager's resume, then you know they're looking for, the, they have already made a selection in their head. They're going through a process because they're a public agency and they have to go through a process. But, um, but look for the, those red flags. If there are none, and if you've used your GoToGo form as a pursuit plan, and you really answered a lot of these questions, um, and I say a lot of these questions because in, in the detailed plan I'm looking at, or detailed go no go form I'm looking at, there's probably 30 questions on this form. Um, you know, if you have a month ahead of the RFP and you can answer 10 or 15 of these questions and answer them really well because you had a couple of Zoom calls right now with your client mm-hmm. or you sat down uh, and had a lunch with the client, um, when that's possible, when we're fully reopened, um, then then you could be farther ahead. But but really, the number of questions on your go no go form that you can answer early on, um, the more homework you're doing, the more you're really identifying: is it a green apple? Is it a red apple? Is it a high piece of technology? So I would definitely recommend you use your and and. You know, you can call it your hidden pursuit plan, but it really is your go no go form. It's got good questions on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we have a lot of other go no uh, sorry a lot of other pursuit plan forms for really big projects. You want to get in and um, really start to uh, um, identify your com- competitors and what exactly their strengths and weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. There's certainly pursuit plans like that. Um, there are definitely, I'm a big fan of uh, more graphic communication right now, especially um, in this Zoom era, where uh, even a Google map of the project site, and you can start to list the issues with the site as you're looking at the map. Um, so a, a, an issues map related to your pursuit um, mm-hmm. can be really, really helpful, especially if you're all in different locations and you're at least looking in on the Google image of the site. Um, you might have some good um, good info that way. Uh, there's there's all kinds of pursuit plan forms that you can do, but um, really your go no go form is an excellent way to start. Yeah, I think I like that. And after you and I initially talked about this, you know, in preparation of recording this interview, I went ahead and looked at some of my old go no go forms and my old pursuit plans. And they were pretty much the same type of questions. It was kind of, I didn't do it intentionally, but it was just kind of worded a little differently on the go, no go form. So it was, it was a little interesting. So if you don't have a formal pursuit plan, but you might do have a couple of questions that you ask as part of your go, no go process, pull those out when you hear about a project, you have some time to do something about. Now, of course you can't, do any pursuit planning when the RFP's out. So these are for all your pursuits ahead of time. Take out your go no go form and you, and ask the team that, these questions and say, 
and it it also is like a kind of a good gauge of well you know because I get questions all the time well what do I do when we know about a project ahead of time like what what are the activities that we do you know so the go no go form could be a good way say you hear about an RFP that's coming out three months from now you bring out your go no go form and you start answering the questions well the questions you don't that you say I don't know well, that's your action item to find that out. <laughs> to, to If you don't know who the competitors are, okay, start asking around your network or looking at previous submittals or, you know, you know, if you don't know what the project, the client's project understanding is, okay, well, let's go ask a couple people, the client side, you know, what they, you know, why they're doing this project and so on and so on. So I think you're, you're absolutely right. I think the most important thing there though is ask, the client, like mm-hmm. go talk to the client. Don't, don't just depend on what each of the other people in the room say, or even if you have that one sub consultant, you always use that, that awesome geotech firm that, that you love to work with, um, bring them in on the conversation. What do they know about the project? You can get a lot of good information, but the best information ahead of the RFP has to come from the mouth of the client. Yeah. And they usually, it's good to get a good gauge internally what you know, but then definitely go to the client to valid either validate it or, you know, get yep. what the accurate information. So that's great. Yep. So when you so that trans, that um, leads me right into my next question is when you say go and talk to the client, how do you get your PMs, your project managers, your seller doers to ask the hot button questions? Like what? How do you coach them? of what to ask those clients in those meetings. I am interrupting this episode to let you know about my upcoming training series. I am revealing the three behind the scenes secrets of the Proposal Pros. Knowing these secrets will not only help your firm win more work, but will give you the confidence and authority to advance your career. Best of all, this training is free. To learn more and sign up, head over to marketerstakeflight.com forward slash secrets. Again, that's marketerstakeflight.com forward slash secrets. So my favorite acronym is KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> uh, actually, I did a webinar last week for SMPS Utah, and I said, keep it simple, Sam. Okay. Um, <laughs> I like that better. Yeah, because I tell my kids not to use that other word. So, <laughs> so you know, keep it simple, Sally. Um, so... I, when I'm talking to the seller doer, the technical person who's going to call the client, I want them to only have to ask two or three questions, period. And then I want them to use a phrase that Susan Murphy taught me years ago and, and professes, and that phrase is, tell me more. So when you're having that client conversation and you ask about a certain specific of the project, then let the client talk. And I'll tell you what, Lindsay, I'm a, I'm a talker, not a listener. <laughs> I'm really bad at listening. I have up on my uh, uh, bulletin board above my office um, a post-it note that my friend Don Savage gave me a few years ago, and it just said the word listen on it because we were in a meeting, <laughs> and it was a mentoring meeting, and I just couldn't stop talking. And then she just slid that post-it over, and I've kept it here, uh, wow, probably three or four years now. But listen to the client. So there's some techniques if you've got to listen to the client, especially on the phone. This works really well. If you bite your tongue and start counting backwards from 10, the silence of those seconds 
forces the other person to talk. Um, it really helps. It also silences you as the talker. So you put your question out there, give your client time to think of the answer. Don't lead the witness. Um, sometimes we know what the answer is, or more often our technical folks are hoping they know what the answer is and they can kind of lead the witness. But let the client talk, um, give them plenty of space to talk, have the questions prepared ahead of time before you make the call. Um, especially nowadays, what, what I'm finding is when I call a client, they're often ready to talk right then and there. They don't mm-hmm. want to set up, let's go. Sure, I've got, I've got 20 minutes right now. So have, have the questions ready um, and, and ask the questions and then tell me more. Mm-hmm. And they'll, they'll dig in deeper. Um, another question is that, that often helps with getting more information out of your client is, what haven't I asked? Is there something you should be asking about on this project that I'm missing? And it's amazing what clients say in that dead space. When you ask that question and then you bite your tongue and start counting backwards. And for one, A, you never bite your tongue off. Trust me, I've done it. And <laughs> uh, you always get a little bit more information. You might taste a little blood in your mouth, but you never really uh, get to 10 or get to one. So uh, yeah, definitely keep it very simple, right? You want very, very simple questions. Two or three is plenty. Um, and that that's, I, I would argue, if you can have three or four conversations with the client before the RFP comes out about that specific project, you are head and shoulders above your competition. Yeah. It's not really rocket science. It doesn't really take a ton of time. Mm-hmm. My goodness, the results are phenomenal. So, yeah. so simple, have those conversations. And what's great right now is I think, you know, when we were able to do this in person, I would always encourage, I would try to go to the meetings or encourage sure. some, like somebody from BD or marketing to go along with the project managers, if it was in fact the project manager. And I think that is a little bit easier now if it's a scheduled call using Zoom or meeting, only to take notes and observe. So the technical staff, the project manager or the seller doer, or even the principal could not worry about taking notes and just focus on listening and engaging. And when when I could take notes and, you know, a lot of times when you're not in the directly in the conversation, you pick up on a lot other cues, like nonverbal cues, body language cues, um, I have a, a, so I sending two people to talk to a client about a potential project is absolutely the way to go. This is where diversity comes in mind, whether that's gender diversity or any other kind of diversity. We as human beings look at situations differently. Mm-hmm. And so don't send two people that are a lot alike to talk to a client. Send someone who looks and acts and talks and sees things differently. Um, that's really helpful um, because they're going to pick up on different things than, than well. Um, one thing that that's also important in the in this time where we're doing a lot of um, Zoom meetings and Zoom conversations with clients, don't necessarily take the background behind them seriously. First of all, if they've got a one of those digital backgrounds, um, that always makes me skeptical. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe they just really didn't make their bed today and their office is in their bedroom. I don't know. Um, but often, often what you see behind them 
can give you some clues to what they are, what their life is like or what's important to them. And also, I think it's really critical right now, every time we have a client conversation, begin with the how are you doing question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jump right right now we have got to be much more um, human right now much more genuine and authentic in our conversation and it's really good to have that conversation to start about how are you doing how are you coping with things um, that's just where we're at in society today well yeah totally agree well, I think you and I could sit here and talk all day. We covered a lot of ground uh, talking about go, no go decisions, using those to form your hidden pursuit plan. I love that phrase. I'm totally going to use it, giving you credit. Um, mm -hmm. And we could, like I said, we could go on and on and on. I'll definitely, probably, most likely, by popular man, bring you back on the podcast for future ep episodes. But thank you so much for being here and spending the time with me today on the Marketer Take Flight podcast. As we start to wrap it up, I'm, I want to ask you to share with everybody how everybody can get in touch with you if they have more questions or they need help with their pursuit planning or, or their go, no goes. Um, if you want to share your contact information with us. Definitely. So my email address is Frank at go-strategies.com. My cell phone number is 503-310-2949. Uh, I answer my phone most all the time, day or night. I'm happy to help people. I, it's part of, um, you know, you do all those tests like uh, Myers-Briggs and Enneagram and StrengthsFinder, and I'm a helper. That's mm -hmm. what I do. And that's my personality. So I'm here to help anybody. We will have... Um, the forms that I've been referencing in this conversation up on our go-strategies.com website. Uh, we'll also, you can see the coffee mug. If you really are dying to have a coffee mug, we send them off. Uh, you just pay the shipping and handling. Um, and they're um, really awesome. So if you need help with any of this, you're in a really sticky go-no-go -no -go situation. Um, myself or my business partners, Kate Robinette and Catherine Ness, we're all very helpful and ready to, to jump in and make this easier for you. Great. Well, again, thanks, Frank, for being here. And I will link up all of the resources in the show notes page for this episode. So thanks again. Thank you so much, Lindsay. This is great. Okay. Wow. What a conversation. So jam-packed with information about taking your Go No Go form and using it as your pursuit plan, your pre-proposal activities, um, Frank's KISS method, keep it simple, Sally, keep it simple, Sam. I love it. Um, so again, if you want any of the resources mentioned in um, today's episode, please go to the show notes page located at marketerstakeflight.com forward slash eight, as in the number eight for episode number eight of this show. And if you liked this episode, please feel free to share it with your peers, colleagues, bosses, friends, whoever. But also make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any other future episodes. And that's it for now. Until next week. Bye.